electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, the spy who conned me, a devious fraudster makes the bold transition from local news... In Missoula, I'm Garrison Courtney for Montana's news station. ...to the halls of government. There are people that are here illegally in the United States looking for employment, and uh, companies exploit that routinely. But behind the scenes, Garrison Courtney works to infiltrate the multi-billion dollar defense contracting industry with a story of working for the CIA. He claimed that he had hundreds of confirmed kills. Some people he claimed that was during combat, for others it was as an assassin. Selling a lie based on patriotism, he raked in millions. It was going to be very lucrative. I mean, these were going to be multi-million, billion-dollar contracts. As he piles story upon story, Courtney wraps his operation in a cloak of secrecy, then ropes in a bevy of high-powered dupes. To put something together like that and to have it work the way it did, it's mind-boggling, but it's also really impressive. But is Courtney a real-life operative or a fast-talking con man? To find out American Greed, here's the story for the first time from the key players. The former colleague. I believe that letter was a forgery. The relentless investigator. I've never been threatened by another government official uh, for doing uh, my job. The dogged prosecutors. How could this possibly happen if this isn't real? And in a television exclusive, the wife Courtney deceived for years. I always got the runaround when I asked anything that had to do with his work. You should not ask any questions. It's completely legit. In early 2016, Garrison Courtney strolls through the corridors of the Pentagon and into the office of the Air Force's highest-ranking intelligence officer. For years, Courtney has been collecting millions of dollars by claiming to run a top-secret CIA task force meant to protect America from its most dangerous adversaries. Now, the general is asking Courtney questions to see if the so-called operation is real. Walter Giardina is an FBI special agent. He described how he had been at a meeting and the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and the meeting was at the White House. And, you know, it wasn't super specific, but basically said that he was the, the person put in charge of this program. A truly gifted con man, Courtney doesn't miss a beat as he once again enacts the elaborate charade he's been refining for years. Matthew Burke is an assistant U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia. This is a fraud that works only in this town. If people had tried to pull this in Peoria or Springfield uh, or Detroit, I think ordinary Americans would have said, get out of here. 
Long before his visit to the Pentagon, Courtney grows up far from D.C. in Great Falls, Montana. In his high school yearbook, he looks like a regular kid. But below the surface, something dark is looming. Andre Pearson is Garrison Courtney's ex-wife. Well, according to Garrison, he had a very rough upbringing. He came from a broken household, and he had been very independent and on his own since a very young age, since his late teens. After Courtney serves in the armed forces, he rooms with Bill Foley at the University of Montana in the late 1990s. And I, I imagined his IQ was way up there, you know. He was really smart, and, and he was really quick. And Garrison never turned it off. It was just full go all the time. An aspiring stand-up comedian, Foley says Courtney is a natural-born storyteller who's prone to exaggeration. I think he really liked to BS people, you know. It's easy to see how people could believe him because he, he was really good at, you know, he thinking on his feet. Courtney's self-promotion is on full display in an article in the school paper that says he's a fraternity brother, radio disc jockey, stand-up comedian, cheerleader, part-time model, and self-defense guru. Courtney holds a third-degree black belt in an offshoot of Chinese kung fu called Shaolin China. That translates literally means seize and control. But like most of what he hears from Courtney, Foley wonders how much of the article is true. Probably none of it I, <laughs> that I can think of. Uh, I just wonder if he was laughing to himself. I never saw anything at all that would make me think that he was a third-degree black belt, you know. I never saw him work out. <laughs> After school, Courtney uses his gift of gab to score an on-air job at a Missoula television station. Police say that drivers that don't slow for pedestrians risk doing two things. One, they may hurt the pedestrian, and two, they may risk paying heavy fines. In Missoula, I'm Garrison Courtney for Montana's news station. There, Courtney is tapped as a weatherman, and the station features him in ads as a key member of their news team. The newspapers, you know, selected him as the best forecaster in Missoula. And there was guys who were real forecasters in Missoula who were doing that for years, and there's this kid comes out of college, just completely BS his way to it. On air, Courtney seems to have learned a very valuable lesson. Faking it has its rewards. After stints doing the weather in Montana and the Pacific Northwest, Courtney lands a job as a spokesperson at the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service in Seattle. There are people that are here illegally in the United States looking for employment, and uh, companies exploit that routinely, and we're trying to close that loophole. Then, in 2005, Courtney takes a job at the Drug Enforcement Administration in the nation's capital. He was uh, a contact. So I dealt with him, you know, three, four, five times a week. Ian McCaleb spends 20 years in journalism. While covering the Department of Justice for Fox News, he meets Courtney. He was kind of a goofball. Um, did not strike me as somebody who was particularly imaginative. He could veer into oafishness or tell an uncomfortable joke here and there. Um, did not seem particularly sophisticated. It won't be until years later that Courtney will show just how imaginative and sophisticated he really is. In D.C., Courtney, who's now married and will soon have a child, meets Andre Pearson. 
He told me that he was in the process of separating and divorcing his first wife. And after not too long, we started dating. Garrison had a very charming personality, but he's always trying to come across as a very likable person and wants to be accepted, so he's very eager to please. He was the guy, whatever you needed, he had it. Though superficially charming, Pearson will come to learn that Courtney has a dark side. In 2009, he leaves the DEA and claims to begin working for the celebrity gossip publication TMZ in Washington. Then, he takes his connector-in-chief skills to the rapidly expanding world of defense and intelligence contracting. That level of defense contracting at that time, a multi-billion dollar business. Post 9-11, defense contractors were just hiring like crazy. A government spokesman like Garrison would have been helpful. According to emails obtained by American Greed and Department of Justice filings, by the end of 2011, Courtney is working on a high-stakes project. Courtney brings in McCaleb, who has by then also made the jump to the private sector. He was building a small team to assist uh, a cluster of lawyers here in D.C. in pushing uh, through media and public affairs and government relations efforts to release a, a small handful of Kuwaiti prisoners who were still being held in Guantanamo Bay. Courtney's job is built on relationships, and McCaleb says he promises his clients the moon. You now, op-ed placements in, you know, tier one media, like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, Politico, swinging lawmakers through staff outreach to reach directly out to, you know, the Obama White House to exert some pressure. Uh, to get the Kuwaitis released. But Courtney overpromises, and his colleagues say he's fired from the job. In need of money, he puts his criminal mind to work. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. In the years following 9-11, contractors who work alongside America's intelligence services see their industry blossom into a multi-billion dollar business with little oversight. Garrison Courtney wants in, and in 2012, he begins visiting various defense and intelligence contractors around D.C., where he paints a picture of himself as a modern-day Rambo. Heidi Gesch is an assistant U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia. He claimed to have served in the military, to have served in combat during the Gulf War. He said something how he'd, uh, his lungs had been injured due to uh, inhaling uh, fumes from oil smoke and uh, Kuwaiti oil fires. He claimed that he had seen extensive combat. He claimed that he had hundreds of confirmed kills. Some people he claimed that was during combat, for others it was as an assassin. It's clear that his intent was to convince people that he was some type of extraordinarily sophisticated deep cover spy for the United States government, uh, akin to the things you might see in a movie. 
As Courtney tells his tale of bravery to various defense contractors, the intelligence community has suffered a devastating blow. This week, it was the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, on the phone with President Obama, angry at reports that her cell phone had been listened to by the U.S. spy agency. All of this comes from the files that Edward Snowden made off with after his job as a U.S. intelligence analyst. All of it is making for big problems around the world for this administration. Though Edward Snowden's leaks are a disaster for America's spy services, Ian McCaleb says they're a huge windfall for the many private contractors who work alongside them, the people Courtney is now meeting with. I mean, there's all kinds of work to be done. Anything that takes off like that is gonna be looked upon as, uh, you know, quick work and, and lucrative work. Courtney sees opportunity in the crisis. This is his moment, and he begins to ask the companies he meets with if they want to join a task force he's running to stop new leaks before they start. Gareth Courtney did say in a number of meetings that the program had, had evolved to create some type of response to the uh, Snowden disclosures. Everybody wants to protect national security, and so he would appeal to their patriotism and say that this is our response, this is what we're gonna do to not have this happen again. And so this program, he was put in charge of it or leading this program to help develop a new network of companies that could help the United States with its intelligence gathering capabilities after those disclosures occurred. Sometimes he would refer to it as a task force. Uh, sometimes he would refer to it as the program. Um, one of the code names he used was A214 or Alpha 214. He would claim that it was authorized directly by the President of the United States, directly by the Attorney General of the United States, directly by the Director of National Intelligence. It was always somebody at a very, very high level of the United States government. What makes the former weatherman qualified to run Alpha 214? According to federal prosecutors, Courtney is, in fact, a veteran with lung problems who received a job offer from the Central Intelligence Agency in 2005, around the time he moved to Washington. Now he is telling defense contractors who hear about Alpha 214 that he's working at the agency's direction. To some people, he directly claimed that he was a covert operative for the CIA. Um, to other people, it was more implied, like, you can't talk about me, you don't know my real name, uh, nothing that I do can you talk about, it's all classified. As he asks various defense contractors to sign up for Alpha 214, Courtney has a very important and very secret request. You need to hire me, Garrison Courtney, and put me on your payroll, not because I'm gonna be working for you, not because I'm actually going to be doing what normal employees do, but because you are helping obscure my role in the program. He was asking them to pay him a, a salary that would be consistent usually with a business development employee of one of these companies. Many times he would have email addresses with these companies. The company would enter him on payroll, pay him to his bank so that he wouldn't be paid by the government so that it would be more difficult for adversaries to think that he was a real intelligence officer. He would say things like, when I don't show up for work or when I don't actually do anything, you can't ask me the normal questions you would ask of, an, of a regular employee. Hey, why are we paying you? You just have to accept on faith that what I'm doing is in the interest of national security. 
Courtney is requesting an arrangement referred to in the world of espionage as commercial cover. He promises the defense contractors who provide him with a cover job that they will be handsomely repaid. He would say things like, if you join this program and if you're awarded a contract to provide services to the United States government as a part of this highly classified program, then we'll make sure to reimburse you for you paying me this payroll as a part of obscuring this program. Stuart Sears is Garrison Courtney's former criminal defense attorney. According to Stuart Sears, who no longer represents Courtney, but said he got his permission to speak with us, the contracts Courtney dangles are no small thing. It was going to be very lucrative. I mean, these were going to be multi-million, billion-dollar contracts that were going to be coming down the road to these companies. It was a moneymaker and an opportunity to serve their country, and I think a lot of the victim companies were drawn in by being able to do those dual things at the same time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. In 2015, Garrison Courtney marries Andre Pearson and eventually has three children with her. As he begins collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars in salaries from various companies that are providing him with commercial cover, he lets his wife in on bits of his covert life. He mentioned there was a person named Dave at the CIA that was the head of all the programs that he was involved in, and that if something ever were to happen to him, if he were to disappear, or I couldn't hear from him, or he ended up in trouble for some reason, that I should contact this person. Though he provides Pearson with Dave's number, when it comes to the top secret operation he's spearheading, Courtney remains tight-lipped. I always got the runaround when I asked anything that had to do with his work. You should not ask any questions. It's completely legit. Pearson is not the only one who's told information about Alpha 214 is on a need-to-know basis. Courtney is receiving cover jobs and cover pay from defense contractors to supposedly obscure his role in the program. They, too, hear a similar line. He convinced all of those people that they could not say anything to anyone about any of this. This is national security, this is all classified, and I'm so highly classified that if you ever ask, well, of course they'll deny it. To convince his employers of the real threat posed by saying too much or asking too many questions, Courtney presents them with easily obtainable government non-disclosure agreements that swear the signers to secrecy. He would have them sign real non-disclosure agreements with the government, which is a key element of being initiated into a classified program. In Washington's intelligence community, where secrecy is a way of life, people heed Courtney's warnings about remaining quiet and not asking questions. 
To further convince task force members of the need for secrecy, Courtney warns them that their participation places them in real danger. Garrison would say that they would be under hostile surveillance from foreign intelligence adversaries, namely uh, China and Russia, that they would be followed around. He told people to stop using credit cards, to, spend, to only spend cash so it would be more difficult to track, to watch what they said on the phone, that they might even need to get firearms to protect themselves. To reinforce his need to remain hidden through commercial cover, Courtney says he too is a target. He would convey to people that he was poisoned with ricin and had to be rushed to the hospital, and the CIA covered it up because he was so deeply undercover. It's not just employees of private contracting firms who hear Courtney's spiel. He would pitch this, or some version of this, to people who either worked in the intelligence community or were in positions within the defense uh, department. According to court records, Courtney convinces one former and six current government officials from the DEA, the military, and the intelligence community to take part in Alpha 214. In one instance, Courtney helps an adult child of one of these officials score jobs at firms providing him cover. But according to prosecutors, most of the government employees sign up because they think Alpha 214 is legit and that they've been tapped to play a role in a vital mission. I mean, this is exciting to think you're part of something big that the government's doing that's secret that nobody knows about. People want to do that. And so they believe what they want to believe and they see what they want to see. As he was able to have some government validation that helped bring in other government people, it helped bring in more companies. And the more pieces of the puzzle that were sort of validating each other would help expand in terms of bringing in new government officials, bringing in new additional companies. Unlike the private sector contractors he ropes in, Courtney is not asking government officials for covered employment. According to documents filed by federal prosecutors, Courtney convinces the government officials to meet inside ultra-secure government facilities with the contractors paying his cover salary. The government official would invite you in. You'd go through all the security screening that because you, you're going into the real office uh, or intelligence agency. Uh, he would either pat people down or direct that someone else pat people down. He would require people to leave their electronic devices elsewhere. Once security is established, the contractors receive briefings about Alpha 214 where they are convinced of the need for secrecy or told their government contracts are real. These briefings come from the real public officials who Courtney has provided with talking points. To put something together like that and to have it work the way it did is just... It's, I mean, it's mind-boggling, but it's also really impressive. Courtney's devious scheming creates the perfect scene to authenticate his operation and his need for commercial cover and a commercial cover salary. If you're meeting in a government facility with, you know, with somebody you know to be an officer in the military or intelligence community who's telling you that this is real and you are signing an agreement with the government that you need to protect this information, yeah, it's reasonable to believe that you'd think this was real. According to his former wife, Andre Pearson, when the man in charge of Alpha 214 is at home, 
He's often online connecting with a special network of warriors. Garrison had a habit of playing lots of video games geared towards military and war and and undercover missions. And several times I did log into his phone and checked the games and a lot of the chatting. And he would tell these people that he was a decorated general in the army or he had done all kinds of amazing things with all these undercover agencies and that he could offer them jobs and introduce him to all these people that they could live their game life in real life. In his real-life spy game, Pearson's husband says he goes by a variety of aliases, including Glenn Nelson, Glenn Nielsen, and Gary Pearson. Online, Garrison Kenneth Courtney uses yet another name. GKC Monster. He was the monster, which seems very fitting. Far from the exciting operator he presents himself to be online and in top-secret task force meetings, Courtney is a regular guy with regular guy problems. He had had financial issues in the past. He had been through a divorce. He had student loans, medical bills. Um, he had filed for bankruptcy. Those issues seemed to rev up in 2012, back when Courtney promised clients he could help them free Kuwaiti prisoners from the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. According to emails obtained by American Greed, a few months into the project, the lawyers Courtney is working for begin to ask questions. I mean, there were a number of times where little things that he had promised, the basic items for a public affairs campaign were never produced. But with his job seemingly in danger, those involved with the effort say Courtney miraculously produced evidence that seemed to show he was making headway. He had produced a letter from uh, the House Armed Services Committee uh, indicating that he had had a direct discussion uh, and that House Armed Services was interested in responding, um, not just to the team, but directly to uh, the Kuwaiti government to get something moving. It's certainly not formatted properly. The language is a little off. It did not look like a professionally produced House committee letter. Uh, I don't know who produced it. He may have produced it himself. I believe that letter was a forgery. Emails and official filings by another member of the team say Courtney was fired for cause. Though Courtney was never charged for this alleged incident, when asked about it via his former attorney, he refused to comment. Months later, he sends his friends an email saying, today I am at zero and can only move upward. This is my new beginning. The message comes soon after the time Courtney admits he starts running a bogus top secret CIA task force. From the get-go, he concedes it's all a scam. For years, Courtney has been telling a story of lung damage he sustained fighting Saddam in the 1990s. The truth about his military service is way more mundane. He was in the National Guard, but he didn't join the military until after the Gulf War had ended. He did have uh, some breathing problems, but the breathing problems were a combination of the fact that he has asthma and a combination of the fact that he exacerbated those breathing problems while he was fighting forest fires in Montana. Though Courtney has spent time in a hospital, it wasn't because foreign spies poisoned him with ricin, as he has claimed. He went to the hospital with ordinary health issues. And so this was yet another aspect of him 
trying to dupe his victims into believing that he was so important that a hostile foreign intelligence agency would come to this country and successfully poison a U.S. citizen and get away with it. Though Courtney is running his fraud claiming to need commercial cover, he is no spy. Garrison Courtney never worked at the CIA. He once applied there. They sent him a letter of conditional employment to which he never replied to. He had no clearance and he was not affiliated with the government. Though this real job offer will provide fodder for those who believe Courtney's top secret story, he later admits he never worked for the CIA. According to prosecutors, the real government officials who also lend credence to Courtney's tales are merely dupes. But they're not the only props he uses in his fraud. This letter supposedly refers to something, something called the Department of Justice Immunity Unit. At the time that this letter is dated, there was no such unit. It just simply didn't exist. This letter references 18, Title 18 United States Code Section 6000. There is no such section of the United States Code. I don't know exactly how he created them. I just know that he created them. And looking at them, I also know that they are clumsy forgeries. But none of the victims seem to recognize this and multiple companies fall for Courtney's scam to collect cover salaries. He was often collecting salaries simultaneously from five, six, seven different companies, uh, all under false pretenses, and not actually doing any real work to, in fact, benefit those companies. In all, Courtney defrauds his victims of $4.4 million. But those who know him say he may have been motivated by more than just money. I think it just all played in together. The video games, the stories he told, he started to believe his own stories and lies. And he thought that that was who he was. And he seemed to know who to prey upon. And his stories were so good and so believable that they all fell for them. In addition to paying Garrison Courtney a real salary to help provide him cover, federal prosecutors say some of the companies Courtney is defrauding also perform actual work on what he tells them is a vital and lucrative national security operation. Several of them um, believed that they were in fact providing services to the government as a part of Garrison Courtney's claimed classified program. Despite Courtney's assertions that any questions could blow up Alpha 214, some of his victims begin to ask, why aren't we getting paid? Of course, the program he's running isn't real, and there's no government money to pay anyone. So when Courtney's well-orchestrated meetings with government officials don't make people stand down, FBI Special Agent Walter Giardina says he resorts to threats. Everybody involved, more or less, requires a security clearance to continue to be employed. You know, so as soon as they would start to say, I don't think this thing is real, he would, one way or another, start to threaten them or cause them to fear that they would lose their clearance and be unable to uh, earn a living. And there was one person in particular who essentially said, I think you're a fraud. And Courtney's response to that was to falsely accused that person of being an Iranian spy. 
According to criminal and civil case records, for years, a defense contractor called Blue Canopy has been paying Courtney a cover salary. In 2015, employers of and lawyers for Blue Canopy begin pressing Courtney hard. Blue Canopy says they are owed $1.9 million, and they want it now. Because they pressed so hard, I think Garrison Courtney felt that he needed to find a way to pay them. Otherwise, his fraud would unravel. Of course, Courtney doesn't have that kind of cash just sitting around. But with his back to the wall, he figures out an ingenious way to get the company the money they're asking for. No payment, no payment, no payment. And then finally, one day, they get $1.95 million in their bank account. And it comes not directly from any government agency. It comes through an escrow account affiliated with an attorney's office. Garrison Courtney uses the fact that it comes from the escrow account of an attorney as proof that he is a spy because of course, of course it's going to look like it comes from a normal citizen. That's how you know that I'm a deep cover operative. But like all things in this scheme, there's another explanation. With his fraud about to unravel, Courtney has approached an investment financing company in Virginia with another wild story. He tells that investment firm Basically, I'm a spy, and I'm a part of this deep cover program. And if you, investment firm, will kindly give me $1.9 million today or thereabouts, then in short order, I'll pay you back two point some odd million dollars in a few days. In court documents, Courtney says that to get the money, he tells the investment firm that the Department of Justice is trying to seize Blue Canopy. To do so, the government must first pay Blue Canopy $1.9 million that the company is owed. He says the payment has to happen quickly. And for national security reasons, it can't come directly from the Justice Department. Courtney presents the investment firm with a document showing them that they've been awarded a classified contract and that they'll soon be receiving more than $2.5 million. And the firm wires $1.9 million to Blue Canopy. Again, the entire story was entirely made up. It was all a fraud. Blue Canopy's new owners have said the company was a victim of and a witness to Garrison Courtney's criminal conduct. Courtney's Hail Mary has worked, and his fraud keeps going, for now. Around the time that this scheme within a scheme takes place, FBI Special Agent Walter Giardina begins to hear whispers about someone playing James Bond. I actually heard the same story three times in a week from three different agencies about somebody who purported to be a spy, at which point, you know, obviously I started to think these all must be connected. After learning that the Air Force's top intelligence officer is about to question Courtney inside the Pentagon, Giardina says that he asks the general to secretly record the meeting and that Courtney is caught out of his depth. You know, he's like, well, what am I supposed to ask? First of all, sir, you're a general. Get answers. Find out what's going on here. And I actually typed up a memo for him, you know, on letterhead of what he was supposed to ask. I remember one of the, the best parts was a simple question. Mr. Courtney, who is your boss at the CIA? And he asked that just straight out, and Garrison Courtney said, I don't know. 
After this meeting, the feds take their first overt investigative step when they subpoena records from one of the companies that Courtney is defrauding. He had so indoctrinated that company that the second that we served the subpoena, he became aware of it. I'm sure he immediately knew how fatal that would be to us finding out his scheme. And Garrison Courtney, um, by virtue of having so thoroughly duped real government officials that this was real, convinced um, one of the very real and high-level government officials to attempt to shut down our investigation. First, they called the company and told them not to cooperate with our grand jury subpoena. And then ultimately, they demanded to meet with myself and another FBI agent uh, and requested we stop our investigation. And then once we didn't stop the investigation, uh, proceeded to, uh, to threaten us with uh, prosecution ourselves for, for revealing Garris Courtney's fake program. I've never been threatened by another government official uh, for doing uh, my job. And that just makes uh, myself and all my colleagues want to work harder. In April 2016, Courtney's wife, Andre Pearson, says she is asleep with a newborn, her third child with Courtney, when she hears a knock on the door of the Virginia home. Went downstairs to check it out, and I noticed a lot of armed officers outside the door. I got very scared. I was shocked. Didn't know what was going on. They were able to explain a little bit and let me know that he was under investigation. That's when I kind of started to find out that he wasn't who he said he was or what he was doing. After the raid on his Virginia home in 2016, Garrison Courtney and his family moved to Tampa, Florida, where his wife, Andre Pearson, says she's led to believe his case has gone away. Well, according to him, it was all a setup. And given that it was just such a big multi-agency operation, I felt that if they really had something on him and he was actually the bad guy, he would have been arrested at that time, and that didn't happen. A couple of years went by afterwards, and he was still a free man. But there's a reason Courtney's case is moving slowly. For years, Courtney has been telling his victims that everything about Alpha 214 is classified and secrecy is of the utmost importance. It seems they believed him. You certainly come across in all kinds of government investigations, people who don't want to talk to the government, who stonewall, who feel loyalty to their co-conspirators. Uh, but this was a group of patriotic, law-abiding citizens, often decorated military veterans, that uh, truly believed that they were doing the right thing by not talking to us. There are people to this day who have refused to speak to the investigators of this case because they believe that this is all classified. Just to be clear, those people are crazy. There is no other secret program that he was a part of that we burned or that we accidentally stumbled into. Despite this stonewalling, the government's case inches forward. The same agents that had raided our place in 2016 in Virginia showed up to pay him a visit where we were living in Florida in 2019 and told them that they had enough evidence against him to press charges and that he was going to go to trial. And that's kind of when I realized that this wasn't over like he said it was and that he was just completely deceiving and manipulating and lying. After months of negotiations in June 2020, 
Garrison Courtney comes to court in the Eastern District of Virginia and pleads guilty to a single count of wire fraud. Stating that he defrauded or attempted to defraud $4.4 million, he admits he never worked for the CIA, that Alpha 214 was a fake, and that he used various government officials as unwitting props in his scheme. But Courtney's still not done. Prosecutors say in court documents that days after entering his guilty plea, Courtney poses as an intelligence official while talking to his latest employers, a defense firm in Florida. Federal investigators catch him red-handed. I didn't believe it, because it's almost unbelievable. That incident probably increased Garrison's sentence by two or three years. In October 2020, Courtney is sentenced to spend seven years in federal prison. His downfall has left many people reeling. As somebody who knew him, I don't know how he got away with this. He wasn't, he's, I never would have thought of him as sophisticated enough to you know, get himself home and make himself dinner. It's hard to grasp the reality of it all and how it played a role in my life and where it left me and our children now. We're still healing from it and trying to figure out how to move on from it and put it behind us once and for all. There were some of these smaller companies that just couldn't take the hit, uh, the financial hit. But many, I think, are still struggling with reputational damage of being sort of associated with Garrison Courtney. And I think um, many of them just feel like their, their, their loyalty to their country and their patriotism was, was exploited by Garrison Courtney just to line his own pockets. Behind bars, Courtney seems to still be spinning tales. Though he did not agree to be interviewed for the program, Courtney tells American Greed that he pled to just one count of wire fraud for sending an email. It's not illegal to send an email. I send emails every day, so do you, so does virtually everyone these days. What he acknowledged under oath was perpetrating a massive fraud. And the fact that he is telling you that all I did was send an email shows that he is still committing fraud on you. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.